Alrighty, everyone. Welcome back. This is Tavis Killian with Rare Petro, bringing you another episode of Monday Madness on January 16th, 2023. While I know many of you have the day off for MLK, Rare Petro stays hard at work. In fact, much of the energy industry continues through all major holidays. I'm thankful for those men and women that continue to provide energy for the world as they need it, especially on days like this, Christmas, or any other holiday in which they may want to be with their families. But you didn't come here to listen to a young fella do his best to cope with missing out on a day at the golf simulator with his friends while he records podcasts at work. No, no. You came here to get the hardest-hitting news and most revealing statistics that we could scrounge up. Let's get to it. You know, we have to start with commodity prices, which have been exhibiting some crazy volatility over the past month or so. WTI found its legs last week as it climbed from $74 up to $78 in just a day, despite a rather massive inventory build. From there, it rose to about $80, but has since fallen this morning to $78. Like I said last week, this $80 ceiling poses some interesting questions, especially when we get on top of it. I imagine there could be a lot of growth, but the last time we got this close to $80, the price quickly dropped to about $73. So we will have to exercise patience and see what else this day can offer us. Brent continues to maintain a six-ish dollar premium, but otherwise tracks WTI's movements. Natural gas continues to be ridiculously cheap, well, at least comparative to recent months, at around $3,600 and shows no signs of rising. This continues to be attributed to warmer-than-usual weather and vast stocks of gas folks secured before they imposed a ban. Don't forget that the clock is ticking and Russia will no longer sell to those who did propose that ban past February 1st if they stick to their guns. I think that will be one of the most pivotal points in energy for 2023. So far, that is. Next, of course, the rig count. The United States is up three rigs to a total of 775 rigs, or 174 more than we had this time last year. A few more weeks like this, and we could hit 800. Far cry from where things used to be before the pandemic, I know, but the count has steadily grown ever since then, which is great news. We've got a lot of change from a basin level, so try not to get lost in this data. The Permian is up three, the Eagleford two, and the Mississippian one. For those who've lost rigs, we have the Canna Woodford down two, along with the Barnet, DJ, and Haynesville each down one. State by state, this leaves New Mexico up three, Texas up one, Louisiana up one, Colorado down one, and Oklahoma down two. Surprisingly, we also saw three new rigs in the Gulf of Mexico. This net change of rigs seems to be directional that are targeting oil, so not a bad count because it's positive. That's one of the biggest things you really need to look at. Looks like the Gulf is trying to get active before hurricane season hits this summer, so good on them for boosting that count. Lastly, of course, we need to talk about inventories. I already kind of alluded to it, but we were hit with an absolutely massive inventory build. I'll let Nick take it from here with what he wrote for RarePetro.com's Thirsty Thursday periodical. Here's what you missed. Well, there's already a lot to dive into right off the bat. The EIA forecasted a draw of about two and a quarter million barrels. Wow, were they off, but can you blame them? Who would have predicted a nearly 19 million barrel build? The API thought a similar drawdown was in order, but they reported a build of nearly 15 million. What's going on? Experts on the subject are pointing out that refineries are padding their inventories ahead of the new year. 
Recent cold streaks across the country are also causing people to stay home and drive less, driving the current demand to be pretty weak for crude. Not to mention, those same cold streaks have caused some refineries to shut down due to damage caused by bursting pipes, and I think that was probably the primary factor here. The latest data on the SPR shows a draw of only 800,000 barrels, which at first sounds like quite a bit, but that's the lowest that's been in several months. Although this week's build is quite large when compared to recent ones, it got Nick wondering when the last build of a similar size was. For that, we've got to go back to March of 2021, when a 21.5 million barrel build was recorded by the EIA. As far as crude inventories go, we are no longer struggling to remain in the five-year average, but are firmly planted in that zone. National gas prices are steady and fairly low lately. Well, it turns a little bit, but gasoline stock across the country remains unpredictable, and this week it got on the build with crude and jumped a bit. A week or two ago, the opposite happened. Either way, what you need to know is that gas prices seem to hold steady despite inventory changes. Lucky for us consumers. While diesel is still rather expensive, it is cheapening just a little bit each week. Just as it seemed dissolute stocks were recovering, they dip again slightly. Propane and propylene stocks have also been dropping for a few weeks now, but remain in historically normal territory. I would like to say thanks, Nick. Pleasure to have you and your great periodical back, and thanks for taking care of the inventory section. So we've gone through all of our statistics. Now it's time for the news. I alluded to the price cap earlier, and we actually have some news from a player that you may not have suspected. India. Now, India is a peculiar case. They are a super dense population that requires a lot of energy in a rather small area, but there's not a huge emphasis placed on petroleum exploration. Because of this, India has to buy lots of its energy. How much energy are they importing? Well, they imported 1.2 million barrels per day in December from Russia alone. To put that into perspective, that is more than 1% of daily consumption in a single day-to-day -day transaction between only two other countries. Yes, I know India is consuming way more than 1.2 million barrels per day, but still, just the fact that this is a single deal is massive, and it happened for a whole month. This is a truly massive quantity of oil. I bring this up because I want to highlight just how ineffective these bans on Russian energy are. Sure, you have Europe consuming much less Russian oil, but now India is importing 33 times more oil this past December than the one before. The oil will find markets. The indirect discounts from Europe only make Russian energy more accessible to the rest of the world, and there isn't much they can do. The price cap has even, again, indirectly forced more oil to China as they can now negotiate much lower prices for their energy. Europe's policies have made this situation in Ukraine much worse and has made their own energy security just as bad. This isn't to say that India and China won't immediately turn around and sell it to the world, but at that point, the price cap will have done more harm than good. In fact, I would say no good and only harm. Keep educating yourselves in this area, folks, as this could easily play out badly on the world stage. Next, we have a story that hopefully reinstates some faith in our friendly neighborhood feds. Last Thursday, the U.S. House of Reps passed a bill that aims to ban the sale of oil from the SPR to China. While this will most certainly leave a bad taste in China's mouth if they ever feel the effects, I think this is a policy I can get behind. The legislation passed 331 to 97. Some of you may be asking, is this really necessary? 
Well, some of the oil sold from the SPR last year went to a company known as Unipec America. If you haven't heard of them, they are 100% owned by Sinopec, China's state-run oil company. After all, the main goal of the Biden administration was to reduce energy prices in the short term. But how does oil bid out that is won by foreign entities, specifically China, do anything to affect supply here? Well, it doesn't, and these are the types of questions that should be asked before a gigantic sale from the SPR was permitted. We really wanted to bring down prices here, not send more feedstock to China, but hey, at least we're patching up holes for the future. What's even more surprising is the statement from Kathy Roger, the current House Energy and Commerce Chair. She said, quote, America's SPR is meant for true energy supply disruptions, like those caused by hurricanes and natural disasters not to help China. Still, some people feel this bill remains an utter waste of time. One analyst even said, quote, it is a world market and it's the like water seeking its own level. And when you sell oil at the incremental market, whether it moved to domestic sources or whether it moved overseas, it does temper the enthusiasm for high priced oil. He's got a point that all effects should be considered, but I still think making oil harder for China to receive isn't the worst political idea we've had, especially in the past year. But hey, who knows? Some of you may even agree with Rep. Frank Pallone of New Jersey, who said the bill fell short of being effective and argued that it should outright ban all crude sales to China. Folks, we've had some fun today. We got to look at some dramatic builds, relatively unaffected prices, India's new best friend, and legislation that is beginning, at least beginning, to sound sane. It is already a crazy new year, so be sure to subscribe to Rare Petro to stay on top of all things energy related. As a matter of fact, a little birdie told me that the Wacky World of Energy segments might be returning to our YouTube channel very soon, so keep an eye out for that. This has been Tavis Killian with Rare Petro, and until we see you next time, take care everybody.